It is graduation weekend. Many of you are tired from all the parties that we've been going to and the great food that we've been eating. I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to get there, and I promise we're going to get there. Recently in our life group, we decided that us guys really need a lot of help when it comes to grocery shopping. So there's a lot of times in my life where my wife will pick, I'll talk to her and I'll, she'll say, Matt, can you go to the store? And then as soon as I hear that, I'm out. I never hear the second part. And I get to the store and I'm like, what was I supposed to get? I'm in the aisle and I'm like, I know I'm supposed to get something in here. I'm not quite sure what it is. So in honor of that, to help you guys out, I want you to remember three words. Fear, follow, and ask. Fear, follow, and ask. So right now, I'm inviting you to listen, but I've already given you the action steps that we have, okay? That's the conclusion of my sermon today. I'm giving it to you up front. Fear, follow, and ask so that you can basically stay with us, all right? Are you good? Turn to Proverbs chapter one and let's go ahead and get started. The book of Proverbs is where we're going to be spending the most of our, all of our summer. And each and every week you'll have someone different being able to teach. But I want you to know that you know this and I know this, that life is full of choices. Every day you make choices. You make choices about what to wear, what not to wear. You make choices about how long you will go somewhere and how long you will stay at that place. You make choices about what you will eat. You make choices about what you won't eat. And those are choices that you make all day long that sort of affect you. And at the same time, they affect those around you. And so here's what we, we, we have to do, is we gotta understand how we can take the choices that we make and make sure that we, we make those choices that are based on what glorifies God, what honors God the most. How can we make the choices that we make and help make sure and ensure that God is the center of that decision, that he is the one who is leading us, and it's not our wayward ways or being choosing things based on what just glorifies us. And the book of Proverbs helps us to do that. Many of you might be in here today, and man, there's a lot of decisions that you're in the midst of making. For instance, we have college, excuse me, high school graduates that are in here this morning. And, and now, yes, the decision of, of where to go to college has been answered, but the decision of what to major in is now needs to be answered. And how do you approach making that decision when there are so many options that you can choose from? What allows you to do that? So a couple of situations. Maybe there's a choice that you're in the middle of right now where you have to decide between a job. Maybe you have a job and you love your job, but your name was put in the hat for something else. And you love the people that you work with, but you're here in the middle of, well, which job do I take? And I would ask you the question, how do you make that decision? How do you approach that decision? What helps you make that decision to where God is most glorified and you are most satisfied, as John Piper would say. Maybe the situation is, is that you don't have a job. Maybe you're in the middle of a career change and you want to be used by God. You want to be used by him to elevate his name, to, to proclaim his name, and you want your job to do that, but you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have a job. I lost my job and I really need to know which way to go. What career path to choose? Do I start something new? Do I get more education? Do I take this job in the meantime? What do you decide to do? Maybe there's a situation where, man, the bills are really tight and you're trying to d decide and discern what gets paid, what doesn't get paid and things are really tight and you're overwhelmed by the many decisions of what to pay. And then there's the decision that you are as a church, a follower of Jesus and you want 
basically your finances to be an honor to the Lord. And you want to steward your finances well. You want to be able to help your kids with college and take care of your kids that are not in school and, and just regular, whatever the case may be. And, and you want to give to the II uh, campaign. Amen? Okay, that's where we are. I want to make sure you're with me now. You want to give to this. And so here you are. You have, you have stewardship responsibilities and decisions of how you make, how you take your finances and how do they honor the Lord and what is the wise thing to do with your finances. And also, maybe you've sold your house, but you didn't, don't have a plan. You sold your house too quick or quicker than you thought, faster than you thought, and you're not sure exactly what the next step is. Or maybe you want to sell your house and can't sell your house, and you're trying to decide, what in the world am I going to do? And maybe your, your future of, of, of the church, uh, we've got, maybe you're in the decision or we're all in this decision of where we have phase one of our church and what does that building look like and what will the, the auditorium look like and what will the children's area look like and, and you have all of these decisions that come and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, how do I make the decision that best honors God? How can I do that? How does God operate? How does he give me that wisdom to do just that? And then maybe your kids are asking the kids, your kids questions have left from asking questions like, can I have a four-piece Happy Meal to a six-piece Happy Meal? And why is that car red? And they've moved along to other questions like, where do babies, and you get the picture. You understand? You, got wis- you need wisdom to be able to answer those questions. And here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that God in his great sovereignty and God in his great care has given us not just earthly wisdom, he's given us godly wisdom to know what to do in all the decisions that we're faced with. In every decision that you make, God wants to be intimately detailed in what's going on in your life. He wants to be a big part of what's going on. He wants you to look at the decisions that you make through the lens of what gives him the absolute most glory. And that's what he desires for us to do. And through the book of Proverbs and through our study through the whole summer, we're going to be able to take a look at this wisdom that God gives us so that we can shape our lives or our lives can be shaped around the glory of God and for the glory of God. And I think that that's hopefully what we'll take a look at this summer. Time Magazine says that we make thousands of decisions each day. But how do we help our decisions honor the Lord? And we, like I said, we call that godly wisdom in the book of Proverbs is one of the books, one of five books in the Bible that talks about wisdom literature or is assigned to wisdom literature. We have five books of the Bible. They are Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Job. Some of the Psalms and the entire book of Proverbs is classified as the wisdom literature. And this summer, what we desire to do is to take a look at a proverb each and every week so that we can be challenged We can be encouraged to put the decisions of our life together to where God is most glorified in everything that we do. But the question I think you've got to ask is, well, what is a proverb? What is a proverb? What is the definition? The definition of a proverb is this. Proverbs are short, memorable sayings whose meanings are relevant to many different situations. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, you know that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a beautiful, beautiful memorable saying of what God can do. So I want you to help me with this. Are you ready? Trust in the Lord with all your, and lean not on your own. In all your ways, acknowledge, and he will make your path. See, no matter what version we memorize that verse in, 
we have this memorable saying that says, wow, there is a God in the universe who begs us and pleads with us to trust him. And when we trust him, he desires, he desires to lead us. desires to lead us to himself, to more of himself. Not to allow to be led by ourselves, but to be allowed to be led by him. Well, let's take a look at who wrote the book of Proverbs. Who's responsible for giving us this great book so that, again, we can be encouraged in how we put things together. Verse number one of Proverbs chapter one. It says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon is the son of one of the sons of David and Bathsheba. He is known to be the wisest man to ever live. He is actually credited with writing 3,000 Proverbs. We do not have all of them encapsulated in the book of Proverbs. We do have a lot of of what the Holy Spirit wants us to know and wants us to be encouraged by, and they are included in the Bible. Most of them came from Solomon. However, Solomon, it, things did not end well for him. I mean, for 20 years, for 20 years, Solomon, was, Solomon asked the Lord to give him wisdom and discernment, and for 20 years, things were going great, and for the later part of his life, it didn't turn out so well. Because here's the reason it didn't turn out so well. Solomon had the wisdom to know what is right, but did not have the courage in some situations to do what is right. Lost sight, lost sight of who God could be and was. Well, here's, here's what we have to see. I, I pray this for my kids often. I pray this a lot for my kids. Uh, this is what I pray for them. I pray, God, that you would give my kids the wisdom to know what is right and the courage to do what is right. I pray that you would give them the wisdom to know what is right and the courage to do what is right. Because wisdom in and of itself, it's not simply the accumulation of just facts about God or memorizing verses about God. There has to be a response to the wisdom that God gives us. Here is what we should do in this situation. Now I'm gonna follow through and do it. So wisdom, by its very definition, involves an act of obedience to be able to apply and get the most out of what God is teaching us. I think one of the reasons that we, or several of the reasons that we have this book, Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter one, the reason he was giving us this book. And I think as we start the sermon series, why do we have Proverbs? The, these couple of verses, two, three, four, five, and six, help us understand and unpack why we indeed have this book. And I wanna go through them with you. So let's take a look at verse two and see what it says. Verse two says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. And so what he's teaching us right now is he's writing to us in the first couple of verses and he's telling us, this is the reason I'm giving you this book. This is the reason that this is here. And the first reason is that I want you to have the necessary skills to living a God-centered life. What do I want you to know? Wisdom and instruction. I want you to know from a godly perspective what is the right thing to do in all situations. I want you to have wisdom to know what is right and to do what is right. And he wants it to be practical. The word wisdom is basically where we get our word and the word, when you break it down, basically means tailoring, engraving. It has that connotation in the Old Testament. So when the, when the, the readers are listening to this and they're, they're taking it in, they're taking a look and they're hearing this term that is used and what they see is they see a tailor who works really hard at putting something together like a suit or a pair of pants or something like that. Something that is put together. The crafting of clothes. There's also engraving. There's um, 
also metal work. And so all of these, when this term wisdom is used, is they have this mindset or they have this understanding that, wow, something is being put together. Something is being put together. There's elements, and then there's something that's being brought together that is beautiful, that is useful. And so Solomon uses this word that gives them the, the reminder that, hey, there's craftsmanship, there's tailor, there is engraving, putting these things together with their hands. And so what wisdom does for you and what wisdom does for me and in the purpose of the entire book is to take the elements that help us glorify God in every way of our life and put those things together by the decisions that we make in the way that we live our lives. It's the putting them of together. If you take a look at verse 3, it gives us another reason. gives another reason. Verse 3 says this, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. The reason that he gives us the book of Proverbs, based on, on verse 3, is to help in the practical dealings with people. You deal with people on a daily basis. You want to do the right thing in your relationships. You want to do the right thing in your dealings with all kinds of relationships, with people, with your kids, with your spouse, with your business dealings, with everything. You want your, your, your relationships to honor God in everything you do and everything you say, and you want to not enter into them out of um, just too quick. So here he comes and he says this. He says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, doing the right thing, in justice, and in equity. And equity has to do with just being a good steward of what you have, the resources that you have. Then he comes down in verse four. Verse four says this. I love what verse four says. I give you this wisdom so that you can, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now, the reason he gives us wisdom in this verse, and what he says in this verse, is to close the door of our minds to ungodly things. Here's what happens. To give prudence to the simple. The word simple basically means someone who lacks discernment and lacks wisdom. And what they're doing is their mind is open to anything and everything. And the reason that I've given you this, this book, the reason that I'm giving you this book, this book of Proverbs, these things to help you to be reminded and to put life together, is so that you will, in essence, close your mind, not be closed-minded, but to close your mind to things that would distract you rather than elevate the name of Christ in your life and to help you put things together to live the life that God would have you to live. Prudence has to do with those that are young in their faith. And so it's great for those of us who, for those of you who have been just not very, not been a Christian for very long. Maybe you haven't been a believer for very long. Maybe you've been a believer for very long, but you've been very stagnant in your belief. Well, the book of Proverbs helps us wherever we are, whether we are wise and been mature for a long time, or whether we are young in our faith to help us understand who God is. So it's a protection of our minds as also a way to do that. So take a look at verse five. What does verse five say? Verse five says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Now, that message is to those of us that have been a Christian for a long time. And maybe we've been through a lot of situations and made lots of decisions. Maybe we've made good decisions that have honored God, and maybe we made bad decisions that have honored God. But at the same time, we're a little bit older in our faith. And here is the instruction that he gives to us why he's giving us the book. Because the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs are there to help you that are wise to continually to grow in him. Not to say that we have arrived 
or that we have, we're, we're like varsity Christian, we have all the answers. He, basically what he's saying is, I want you to be teachable. I want you to, to learn. I want the wise to hear and to keep hearing. It means I want this process of learning to continue. And I want you to, and, and then it says, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And so here's the one who has wisdom, who's mature in their faith, and there's the instruction through this verse, and the reason for the book is to help us understand that we can run towards God, even in whatever level of maturity that we have, to understand what he wants us to have, what he wants us to do, with the information that we have, so again, that God is most glorified, and his glory is the goal of our life. And he wants us to be teachable and prepared. And then verse 6 Take a look at verse six. Verse six says this. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. I can tell you this right now. There are a lot of things about God that we do know and we do understand. There are some things that maybe we don't understand. And the book of Proverbs was given or is given so that we can understand that there are things that we don't know. There are things that maybe are a mystery to us. And what I believe, that I believe what, the, what, the, what Solomon is saying here, what the writer is saying, is that what I want is I want wisdom for you to take the things that maybe are a mystery to you about God, and what I want it to do is I want it to drive you into the word. I believe what godly wisdom can do for our lives is it can take us too deeper into the word for the things that maybe we don't understand, maybe the things we're unsure of, and get us deeper entrenched in the word. And I believe that's what Proverbs, what, what Solomon is helping us understand why we have this beautiful book, and again, why we're gonna go through it all summer. It's so that we can understand some of the things about God for practical living, for relationships, to, to protect our mind of the things that comes in, to continually be, to be teachable in the things of God. And not only that, to really drive us deeply to the word, to really give us an insatiable appetite for his inspired word. And, and, and when he says to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, sometimes you and I both know they just don't make sense or some things don't make sense. And it's not wisdom is given and the book is given, not that we would give up, but that again we would go deeper into his word, thereby having a beautiful picture and a beautiful picture of who God is, thereby understanding again who he is. And when we understand who he is, we understand who we are. And that is, I believe, the beginning right there, or one of the beginnings of godly wisdom. Let's continue on and, and see what, what we learn. I, I think the theme that we're gonna talk about this, this entire summer it's the theme of wisdom, extraordinary wisdom for ordinary life. You know, we want to live lives, we're just ordinary people. God's created us, he's created us with a plan, he's created us with a purpose, and again, that purpose is to glorify him, but the issue we have to ask is, how do we do that? And I believe what the scripture is teaching and the purpose of the book helps us understand that the reason we have this book is so that we can have the wisdom, godly wisdom, to unpack the things about life. And so that's really our overall theme of the book. I, I think when you take a look at the definition of wisdom, uh, I, I have a definition from here, just from the dictionary, and it says this. The classical view of wisdom says it is sought through philosophy and man's rational thought to determine the mysteries of existence and the universe. Now I would let you know that where does that wisdom start with? It starts with self. 
That's how we define earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom has as its foundation ourselves. What we want, how we want it, when we want it, and it's us. For example, let's take a look at the Bible of those who practiced earthly wisdom and see how really it worked out for them. Because I think it's important for us to see the theme of the book is wisdom, but it's also important what type of wisdom is given. There's wisdom given to people on a daily basis that don't know the Lord. And and what happens, those decisions oftentimes are made by what's better for them. And take a look at, well, I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the whole face or the face of the whole earth. The the builders of the Tower of Babel had a goal. What in the world can we do to keep us at the center and to make a name for ourselves? I got it. We're going to build this great temple and it'll be awesome. Didn't go so well for them, right? And then we have Abraham and Lot. And there was a great decision to make. All right, we got to decide who gets what land. Abraham says, okay, you choose what land that you want. And what did Lot do? Lot says, man, I'm going to pick the brand new 2014 Escalade of land. Right? Because it's beautiful. Did you see the rims on that baby? I mean, that's what he did. And you know, at the end of the day, did not consult the Lord in that adventure, and things didn't go very well for him. His wife became a little salty. Remember? I wish I had a drummer up here. No, it didn't go very well for him. Because why? They're taking earthly wisdom to put the things of life together, and it doesn't work. It never works. It never works when we are at the center. Another example of that, well, you don't have to go very far to look at Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve, don't touch this. You have everything else? Don't, that's not for you. Okay, that's not for you. That's off limits. And then here's what it is said in the scripture in Genesis chapter three. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Earthly wisdom is the result of being self-focused, and that is not the wisdom that we need to put this thing called life that glorifies God together. And so God understands that and he warns us about that and he warns that about that in James. James says this about earthly wisdom. This is what James says about it. He gives it three words. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual. And listen to me, here it is. It is demonic. It is of Satan. It is the opposite of God. It is the enemy of God. And we'll never be able to put this thing of life together when we read the book of Proverbs, when we're looking for earthly wisdom or we look that we're at the center. I think that if we really want to make God the center of our life, if we really want to strive to see that his glory is honored, that his glory is the focus, then we have to understand what, what godly wisdom is. Remember when I was Oh gosh, I was in the seventh grade and my mom told me never to ride a motorcycle. Yeah, you're laughing because you know what happened. And so my buddy Peter Martino grew up in Connecticut and we had a lot of real strong Italian names. 
And Peter Martino came up to the, came up to the uh, driveway and he says, you want to take a ride? We're going up, we're going up the street to play uh, baseball. Yeah, let's go. Jumped on the back of his 125 and <laughs> so like a weed whacker, you know, up the street, two guys in seventh grade riding up there. All of a sudden I saw my mom at the stop sign and she was turning. And I said, oh dear God, I'm in trouble. I got on the bike, not a smart move because she told me not to. And I was riding on the bike and I said, slow, slow down, she's here, she's here, my mom's here, my mom's here. And he slowed down and I thought that he was just slowing down and I thought he was stopped, he was going like five, he was going like 25, I hopped off the back because you know how you open the door when the, before the car starts, before the car stops, you know, that's okay. And so I'm on the back of the motorcycle and I'm like, I don't want the fear of my mom and I'm in big trouble. And so I hopped off the back to slide six feet on the asphalt I popped back up. My mom had just started coming down the street. She was talking to my brother and she came in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had something here on my side, on my leg, I'm bleeding. And mom comes up and she's like, you going to play baseball? And I went, she didn't see it. (laughs) She didn't see it. I got away with it. And I looked and I was like, yep, I'm going to play baseball. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just fine. No problem. Well, I got, then she left, and I got like, oh gosh. So I started looking at my wounds, and I was like, this is bad. And I was like, I gotta go home. But how am I gonna tell her about this? I got a plan. This is an awesome plan. I'll tell her it was the skateboard. She never told me I, could ride, I couldn't ride the skateboard. Went home, told her straight up, what happened? I fell off Will's skateboard. Oh no. And then I got ultimately convicted, and I confessed before God and everybody, and I thought my dad was going to hit me And I said, I lied to you, I rode the motorcycle and I was scared and I hopped off and I slid on the road and the entire neighbor saw it and I think they're getting ready to come here and tell you all about it. (laughs) That is my example of earthly seventh grade punk wisdom. (laughs) That is just a fool, right? That is not good wisdom. Here's what happens. We're never going to put things together the way God would have us to put them together if we don't open ourselves up and ask the holy God of the universe for this wisdom that he wants us to have to put the elements of life together where he is most glorified. The book of Proverbs does just that for us. Earthly wisdom says that I'm smarter, stronger, faster, and better than anyone else. Godly wisdom says a different story. Godly wisdom, when we define that term, like I said before, it's a craft of putting things together. Warren Wearsby, the great pastor, says this. Wisdom isn't something theoretical. It's something very practical that affects every area of our lives. It gives order and purpose to life. It gives discernment in making decisions. And it provides a sense of fulfillment and life to the glory of God. You see, I I, want to make sure that we understand that wisdom is not just the accumulation of data. Wisdom is the accumulation of data, but it also involves the the disposition of our heart. The disposition of our heart. See, we can get all of this information, but if our hearts are not turned to Jesus and transformed and open to him, then it doesn't matter what kind of information we get. We'll take that data, we'll take that information, and we'll use it to glorify ourselves if our hearts are not turned to him. So in essence... The wisdom is a big, big picture of a transformed heart. And so it's the accumulation of data, yes. It's also the dispensation of our heart. Or the, the, <laughs> dispensation of our heart, that's the wrong word. The disposition of our heart. And it's also the deeds that we do. 
It's how we apply it. It's God, give me the godly wisdom, give me the wisdom to know what is right, the information, our hearts, and then also our deeds, the things that we do that best honor you. Mark Driscoll said it, said it this way, knowledge is knowing the truth, wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Knowledge is theoretical, wisdom is practical. Knowledge is truthful, wisdom is useful. Knowledge for, provides information, wisdom provides transformation. This is godly wisdom. Knowledge tells you what to believe, wisdom tells you how to behave. And you're probably sitting there going, I want that wisdom, I hope you're saying that. At the end of the service, one guy came up to me, I won't tell you who it is. He says, I was kind of bored we were gonna do Proverbs this summer. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he said, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm excited about what it means to put things together. So I hope that you're asking right now and that you ask all summer and go, hey, what does it mean? What does it mean to put this together? And that's the kind of wisdom that I want. I know what earthly wisdom is. I'm really good at that. But here's what earthly wisdom, here's what, here's what godly wisdom looks like in our lives. Godly wisdom is what we need to live the life that God would have us to live. And how do we get that godly wisdom? How is it that we get it to put things together? Godly wisdom first in Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, I want you to look at it. It says this. It tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, in a lot of research this week and it was talking about knowledge and wisdom being synonymous with each other. And, and where do we have, where does the start of understanding the godly wisdom that God has died for to given us and inspired Solomon to write these things for our benefit and his glory? It first and foremost happens by a fear of the Lord. And listen, this is not the fear of the Lord where we are scared. This is a fear of the Lord that is, that is an awe, that is a reverence for him. Last July, my, my father-in-law was preaching, my father-in-law was preaching at a church in Momire, North Carolina. He, is the, he was, was the interim pastor. He's now full-time there. And he said, Matt, I want you to come and I want you to preach good old-fashioned homecoming. And I said, okay. So I came there to preach. And I came there to preach the homecoming sermon. And the next day, we were gonna go golfing together with some of the guys in the church. And my father-in-law said, hey, I've gotta go back to Apex tonight. I gotta check on Kathy, make sure everything's all right. And then I'm gonna come back. And he said, I said, I'm gonna stay here and just work. And so he left this house that I was staying in, that they let him stay in, is 4,800 square feet. It's huge. And it's just very dark, and it's an older house. And so I gotta be honest with you, I was a little scared. And if you want my man card, I'll give it to you right now. And I was pretty, pretty scared. And about 9.15 at night, I'm like, man, there's no internet here. There's... Um, there's no, there is no cell service, or there is no TV or anything like that. And I'm just going, I'm going to sleep. It's like 9.15, I'm just nestled up in the bed. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I got a fan on, and I'm like, what is that? I get up next to the door, and there is somebody walking in the house. And I hear him go upstairs, like run upstairs. And I hear him come downstairs, and I hear him run upstairs again. And I'm like, Jesus, please find me a weapon. I need something to beat whoever is in this house. And I look around and I have nothing. I mean, I was gonna play golf, so my golf does, but I left him in the garage. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What in the world would Jack Bauer do right now? <laughs> and I, 
I, I proceeded to open the door in my manliest voice possible said, hello. And the, the person said, which was a person said, hello. And I went, oh gosh, it's true. Someone's here. And I went, hello. And he went, who's there? And I said, Matt, who's there? And he said, Philip. There's a dramatic pause. He said, I noticed that there was no car here and the air conditioner was still running and I came over to turn the air conditioner off because it was still running and I didn't want to run up the bill. And I'm like, I was getting ready to put, you, put a shoulder in your sternum in the name of Jack Bauer. <laughs> and we had a great conversation, but you know that fear, I, my heart was racing like you wouldn't believe. I was fearful. That's not the type of fear that we have about a holy God. That is not the type of fear we have for a holy God because here's the deal. God knows exactly what is best for you in everything he does in you, through you, and to you. And it's that fear that births in us a holy reverence. A holy reverence for what he can do, what he could do, and what he will do. And wisdom begins there. Wisdom begins with a a disposition that is focused on what God is, who he is, that he is holy, that he is just, so that we can get this wisdom that we need to put the elements of life together to where God is most glorified and again, we are most satisfied, as John Piper would say. The second thing I think happens is that when we continue by following, so I believe that wisdom comes from fearing the Lord and wisdom continues by following the Lord. Following the Lord. In James it says, be a, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. In, in April, there were three pastors in the city of Atlanta that had over 10,000 members in their church who fell because of immorality. Because maybe there was a wisdom to know what is right, but there was a failure, failure and courage to do what is right. And none of us in this room, on this stage, are exempt from that. But what we've been given is we've been given this wisdom from God to help us to know what is right and the courage to do what is right because he deserves it all. And Proverbs is written for us to saturate ourselves into the word of God with this theme of wisdom to be able to put these things together. And I think lastly here, it continues with following the Lord, but it also continues with asking. Wisdom is given generously when you ask. James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So how do we get this godly wisdom that is pure, as James says, that is gentle, that is kind, that is from above, that is heavenly? How, how do we get this wisdom? We, first, we fear the Lord and we continue following the Lord. And then we do something that, lo that he loves and he requests and he begs is that we ask him for it. God, I cannot make this decision. I am overwhelmed with this decision. Will you help me put these pieces together so that I can honor you and all that is said and done? Because if you don't, you're gonna be like the pigeons in Nemo. 
You know what the pigeons in Nemo said? I have four elementary school kids, and the pigeons in Nemo stood up and said, mine, mine, remember that? You remember the pigeons in Nemo? That's all, they were selfish. They wanted everything for themselves and because of themselves, and earthly wisdom, earthly wisdom. I think they're seagulls. They're seagulls, seagulls. Thanks, Adam, I saw you, man. I got you, dog. Seagulls, what's that? Now, the first service, they told me they were not pelicans. They were pelicans. They're pelicans. You know the birds, right? You will never forget this illustration. It's godly wisdom that has helped me do this to deploy this and, and, and to help you understand the point. But you got whatever those birds are just going up, going, mine, 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 just saying mine. And see, earthly wisdom puts you at the center. Godly wisdom puts God at the center and helps you put life together so that you are most satisfied because God is most glorified in him. And, and the, book of, the book of Proverbs helps you and I do just that. This summer, I pray that, that God would be honored in your life and in my life collectively so that we can sit there and say, all right, the decisions that I make, I must see through the lens of God's glory and do that because he deserves it. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to honor you and glorify you. I thank you for wisdom that you give that is not from below, but it's from above, that is for you, because of you, and, and has everything to do with you. I am grateful for the people that I get to do life with, grateful for the people that I serve with. I'm grateful, Lord, for this summer. And Lord, this summer, our main goal is to honor you in everything we say and do. Help us take the decisions that we have to make. Help us not to rush and react to those decisions. Help us to respond to those decisions with godly wisdom so that you are most honored and you are most glorified. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.